Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You two, look at you, you imaging neuroscience physics snobs. You are terrible people. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. People. Hold on, hold you on. Are, no, Alex, you gave us permission. You gave us permission to be arrogant. You told us that we can inflate yeah. ourselves by being. You on this empowered podcast. us. It's being with you that's making us say this. No, fuck that. I'm no longer an ally. Fuck this. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Why Aren't You a Doctor Yet? The only science and tech podcast that you love. Do you know why? Because we're in the lab every day. Yeah, we're really out here finding a way to use stem cells and artificial intelligence to advance the field of regenerative medicine. We want to create bio-artificial replacements for damaged organs, especially the trachea. Why? Because we want to save lives, maybe win some Nobel Prizes, and make sure that you don't have any guilt holding you back from banging people who deserve it right in their fucking throat. I realise that phrase may have different connotations depending on where you're from slash the websites you frequent, but understand context. I am, of course, your host, Dr. Alex Lathbridge, and today I'm joined by, I'm going to say the better 50% of this hosting duo for today, the uh, neuroscientist slash, I'm going to say, audio icon, Dr. Oz Ismail. Hello, hello. So good to be back. So Oz, how have you been this week? Uh, I'm I'm great. I'm great. Uh, aside from the fact that uh, Portland is currently having the worst spring ever. Apparently, this is the wettest June we have had in 80-something years. Um, so that's not fun because I've not seen any sun. Um and all oh, but but that hasn't stopped that hasn't stopped the freaking pollen from attacking me on a daily basis so annoying um well um with that in mind and the fact that you seem to be allergic to plants or something i mean <laughs> everything so, i mean that's 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 your life not mine um something wow. that make it slightly slightly better is that we are joined by a fantastic individual uh, a fantastic guest a brilliant person that i'm glad is sharing the air noise frequencies with us right now it's physicist author and overqualified doodler of art dr jess wade hi jess Hello. <laughs> that was a strong, hey! I'm so happy to be on this podcast. I think I've been a fan for a really long time and it's just such a thrill. Aww. I think even finding time in a day when the three of us can be on a Zoom is really exciting. Jess, uh, how are you? What's, what's, what's life been like for you the last, the last week or so? Oh, it's been really great. <laughs> We've had fantastic weather in London. We've had super nice oh, weather, actually. I'm really be sorry, nice. Oz. Yeah, Must it's been be really nice. great. It's been this kind of mini summer. And then and then we've been celebrating all things chiral. So I know we're going to start talking science in a minute, but the team I'm in won a really big prize for, for chemistry, which I'm really, really happy about. And then we just had the Imperial Festival this last weekend, which is like a massive science and art festival that's completely free for anyone and everyone in the world to come to and we had such extraordinary audiences learning about molecular chirality and how we can use it in technology so i'm kind of coming down from a massive science high and ready yeah, to do busy. some awesome experiments always busy us always busy yeah well glad we could catch you amongst all of those exciting things that you've been doing thank you for coming on it's super great. Yeah, no, I, I, my weekend's been great because it's been super sunny and I've come to realise again one point in the year, uh, every year in the UK, that British homes are not made for heat. They hold in temp temperature like, like the British Museum holds 
like things from other countries that's we hold heat <laughs> yeah burn literally <laughs> yeah Okay, so no, I'm just like so excited that Jess is here because um, Jess, much like Alex, I also fanboyed um, over Jess for a long time on uh, social media and then finally got to meet Jess um, just before I moved to America, I guess. Maybe 2019 is when we met at various events. And specifically, I remember the the hackathon that you and a bunch of other folks hosted at UCL for Pride. Um, yeah, I have such vivid memories of that. Yeah, it was such a... I also remember there being a really great cake at the event. <laughs> yeah, it was so good time. So, so for context, everyone, and, and for Alex, because you weren't there, it was a, a Wikipedia hackathon to get the stories of LGBTQ plus scientists and engineers on Wikipedia. And and we ensured at all Wikipedia editathons that we could have fantastic cakes. So, of course, we had to buy a rainbow cake for that. So so it was it was truly wonderful. And and I think mainly because the cake was so wonderful and everyone there was so wonderful. The <laughs> photographs from that event are some of the most colorful in my camera roll. So when I'm having like a gray and miserable day or nothing's going right in the lab, I just always go to those beacons of light. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. I mean, I have to admit, I came to that thing and I think I spent most of my time eating the cake and maybe created like one page. <laughs> Sorry. I was like, everybody else can do the work. I'm here to eat the cake and be gay. That's so great. <laughs> That's what we need. <laughs> I'm, I'm here to eat cake and be gay. Yeah. <laughs> Everything else is for allies, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. But it was a great event. But you, you did mention um, things going not so good in the lab. What is your science? This is a question that Alex and I have like, before you came on, we're like, what? We know Jess does great science, but physics is a mystery. What is yeah. your science? <laughs> Tell us. Tell us all about it. I work in the kind of experimental solid state material science part of physics. So taking beautiful, wonderful molecules that have been synthesized by chemists and thinking about how we can process these into thin films which form the kind of basis of lots of different technologies. So like light emitting diodes or maybe photovoltaics or maybe spin filters for quantum applications. So really thinking about how those molecules are arranging, how we can develop ways to study that arrangement, because obviously everything's happening at a super, super small scale, and then how we can optimize that arrangement to get really efficient devices. So, so it's kind of working between physics, chemistry, material science, kind of interfacing natural sciences and engineering. So, so it's a little bit of everything, but also this fantastic interest in, in molecules and how they're arranged with respect to one another. So my, my take on that is that you are literally playing with the fabric of life. I, I mean, you could say that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd say, I'd say the fabric of technology. So I'm really, okay, really fine. interested in materials that have kind of novel properties. So maybe they can transport charges in a particular way or they emit light that's in different polarizations. So it could be kind of twisted light or something like that. So I'm interested in these kind of cool properties of materials and how we can understand them and then apply them in technologies. But there are people who go beyond that. So there are people who say, you know, from these kind of investigations, we can understand the fundamental nature of the universe and life. But I don't think I'm at that level of arrogance and, and understanding <laughs> just yet. This is a symbiotic thing. All right. People come <laughs> on to here. And we learn about their science and we like go forward and we have a better understanding of the universe. That's right, Oz, right? I mean, yeah, that's yeah. literally our brand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and what they go away with is a heightened sense of self, perhaps bordering on arrogance, but like in a really positive way, sort of wholesome yeah. arrogance. Like, I, like I am it. the best. I am fantastic. Here are the reasons why. And it's really I'm good. I'm going to stand a little taller. Oh, yeah. I'll go out. So, so, so particularly, and, and I won't spend too long on it because I could talk about it forever, but I work with molecules that are chiral. So, so chirality is this really interesting property of symmetry. And, and chiral objects are like your left and right hands. So they exist as non-superimposable mirror image pairs, which 
which is super fancy long word, but it basically means you take your hands and you put them together palm to palm, they're mirror images of each other. But if you put them together kind of facing upwards, they're quite clearly not mirror images of one another. So if you put them together with the palms both facing down, and that's this concept of, of non-superimposable. And we see chirality across lots of different length scales. So you have spin up and spin down electrons. You have left and right handed photons. You see it in molecules. We see it in galaxies. We see it in pasta and in corkscrews and all of these extraordinary shapes. And, and I'm really interested in how we can use these left and right handed molecules to con con control the polarization of lights or the spin of electrons. So it's kind of a step beyond just let's play around with these molecules and see what happens and more thinking about how molecular design will influence what happens. So it's, it's, it's super fun. It's kind of, you know, there's never a dull moment. You're always talking to someone interesting and you're always doing an experiment where you're like, I have no idea what's going to happen. And that's absolutely fantastic. Nah, fuck off. You are, you're, you're doing shit with the fabric of the universe and something like this is <laughs> this. I mean, it's not wrong. Like you explained all that. And I was like, yeah, I can follow some of those things sort of, but I have a GCSE level of physics. Yeah. Um, but when you started saying stuff about galaxies and all of this and all of that, you're playing with the fabric of the universe. Mm -hmm. How dare you not be cocky? You have to be cocky a little bit, right? Right? you have to no it's when you get to this okay so the part where people are like it's universe and it's fundamental laws of nature is when you think about the spin control so so as as biologists will know lots of lots of the biological world is chiral so amino acids are all left-handed sugars are all right-handed dna is all right-handed and it's pretty much that handedness in everything we look at in anything that's existing on planet earth in any any amino acids we look at in a meteorite falling to planet Earth, they all select one handedness. And, and genuinely, no one knows why. There's a few kind of zany theories out there, but no one has a definitive answer why. So, so the people who are more ambitious, maybe the people who've been on this podcast already, <laughs> you know, the people with that arrogance, they say that, that it's actually because they're chiral. We, we, the, the universe designs for systems that are chiral because we have much more efficient charge transfer in these systems because it's spin selective xyz so you could push it that far and you could say not only is this science fundamental to everything we need for the future of technology but it also explains why everything in the natural world is the way it is but i i need to get a little bit more confident to be able to shout that i could say all of these fantastic things i'm looking past and to the future i truly sit the interface of all these things i could say that but I'm not cocky enough to say that. But I could say that. <laughs> yeah, I'm just floating it out there. I'm just saying, <laughs> VIP. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just floating out there the idea that I do big shit. I ain't say it. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say honestly though. To me, as a scientist, it still sounds like freaking magic. What? It okay, is magic. I think also yeah, it is. It is okay. So here's the thing. I've always said that physics is magic because it does. It's never made sense to me. I've always been bad at physics. But also, um, currently, I do a lot of neuroimaging. And so when people try and explain the theory behind MRI imaging, I'm just like, that makes zero sense to me. But the image that I get at the end is perfect. So I'll take yeah, it. I believe so what you say. I feel like that with MRI though. I did a I did a medical imaging course in my kind of fourth year of my physics degree, and I came home. My dad is a neurologist, and actually now my brother is a neurologist. So you can imagine they order about fifty MRIs a day for their patients. Mm. And I came home and I was like, "Holy moly! Like I've heard you say MRI so many times, and I, I genuinely don't think you understand it. Because if you understood it, then like, <laughs> why is that not the main topic of conversation every single time you speak?" <laughs> like it's the most out there technique and how did people discover that it would work and like how how does anyone understand everything about it at any given point i don't believe that all of the neurologists in the world do okay thank you that makes me feel so much better as someone who does mri on a almost daily basis for my experiments because i'm like if someone asked me to explain I mean, I can tell you about water and how much water there is in your brain, but how that turns into an image inside a magnet, I'm sorry, I'm out. Even just explaining those massive magnets, even just sitting down, like it kind of comes back to the, you know, the science communication thing and all of that and thinking about it. Like 
really fundamental questions of magnetism are so difficult to even begin to explain and understand that it's, it makes these topics that kind of you're quite happy if someone just tells it to you and you're like, yeah, I can go out and do an MRI and this is the image I get. That's fine. But if you go a little bit deeper, it's just so mind blowing the level you have mm-hmm. to get to to make it clear. Yeah, no, no fearers. You could eat, okay. you could completely handle chirality. MRI is, <laughs> is the challenge. <laughs> I'm so, I feel so much better because I thought I would bring up MRI and you'd be like, idiot, it's so simple. <laughs> no, it's not like, so if you said like, I really don't understand how x-ray imaging worked, I'd be like, okay, what is going on here? But MRI is not... <laughs> yeah, revoke his PhD. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think you understand the level of this podcast yet, all right? <laughs> you guys are there like, oh, well, you know what? I, I mean, oh yes, no one understands MRI, but if you said you didn't understand x-ray imaging, mm, well, I'd have to think, like, no, no, look at you two. Look at you, you imaging neuroscience physics snobs. You are terrible people. Hold on, hold on. Alex, you gave us permission. You gave us permission to be arrogant. You told us that we can inflate ourselves by being. You empowered us. It's being with you that's making us say this. No, fuck that. I'm no longer an ally. Fuck this. So, um, Jess, outside of your science and all of the other fantastic things that you do, you also, a little birdie told me that you like to go online and play on Wikipedia doing some little thing or, or something. Could could you explain that a little bit? Sure. So, so I've been probably, you know, working since the beginning of my PhD and then my postdoc to try and make science culture a little bit better and to try and improve academia in general and to do that by trying to do a little bit of work on the kind of recruitment of of women and certainly people of color to subjects like physics and and engineering but also to try and celebrate and and honor the incredible scientists and engineers we have i think that often gets overlooked in all of these diversity efforts there's this huge kind of movement to get more girls or more students of color into these subjects but there's not enough effort to to kind of celebrate and and really champion the ones that we have and so i've been doing that in a few different ways particularly actually through nominating people for awards and and fellowships but something that that really struck me and i i learned about it in 2017 was that actually when you look at databases and and kind of encyclopedias of information and knowledge they're really dominated by old white guys. I guess it shouldn't surprise me. You go, no, you go into any learned society building or any university campus and all of the portraiture is of old white guys that no one can even remember who they are anymore. But but it, it really bugged me that our on, online encyclopedias were like that, particularly when they're so, so relied on for, for teaching and learning and, and in journalism and all of these different applications. And particularly, I got kind of interested in, in Wikipedia. So probably everyone listening knows what Wikipedia is. Maybe they're on Wikipedia at the moment looking up chirality, if you are pro-move, and I respect that. But, but Wikipedia <laughs> is this kind of... It's this absolutely incredible, you know, democratized platform for sharing information and knowledge. It's it's remained since it began in the early 2000s. It kind of started at the beginning of the Internet, really. And it's remained this incredibly nonpartisan, trusted source for information. So you remember when you're at school and, and teachers would say things like, oh, you can't cite Wikipedia. But really, you can trust and rely on that huge, chunky list of references at the end of Wikipedia. And and people go there and people use that, you know, whether they're a high school teacher or a university educator or whether they're a doctor in a clinic or whether they're a journalist looking for an expert to come on air. They use that as their first port of call for knowledge. So, so it's massively important. It's used by billions of people every single day. But something I, I learned about Wikipedia was that certainly when you look at science and when you look at scientists on Wikipedia, it's incredibly non-diverse. So women are really poorly represented. Anyone who's not white is really poorly represented. Anyone from the global south is really poorly represented. Anyone pretty much who's from any historically marginalized background is histor- is, is incredibly underrepresented. And, and I, I hate being one of those people who sits around complaining about something. And so I thought I'm just going to do something about this. And so I spend every single evening and I have spent every single evening since the beginning of 2018 writing, researching and writing Wikipedia pages of scientists and engineers 
who are uh, from historically marginalized groups. So that could be women, that could be people of color, it could be LGBTQ plus scientists, it could be scientists with disabilities, you know, you name it. I've, I've tried to write about it for Wikipedia. And, and it started off as kind of a, you know, I feel most comfortable writing about physics or I feel most comfortable writing about this topic. So I'll just write about that. But actually it's become really extraordinary the amount of science information I've learned <laughs> and about new disciplines and and people's stories and uncovering you know sometimes they're living and sometimes they're historical and kind of learning about all of these different experiences people have had it's made it, me so much better at having to write in a kind of jargon-free way about a science that I'm not super hot on at the beginning of the evening. And then I learned so much about it from trying to assemble this article. And it's, it's been really incredible. And the most, the most amazing thing is, is when you write this page and, and say there's someone who's alive, you can kind of track their brilliance and their reputation. You know, when I look at lists of people who've won awards or when I look at lists of who's been made a fellow, I'm like, hey, I know that person or like, I know who's got that award. And it's because I wrote their Wikipedia page like three years ago. And, and, and it's, it's just incredible. You know, I, I, I like, I like, I like having scientific success. That's obviously important for me, but more than anything else, I love seeing people who have done really incredible things being recognized for their work. You know, when you see someone who's really worthy being honored for what they've done, I just feel like, like jumping around and punching the air. And every time one of these people gets a prize, I like rim my mum and I'm like, oh my God. And, and so it's just, it's just a thrill, you know, it's a gift that keeps giving. But the, how do you, so did you start off, when you started writing biographies, did you start off with like some really big names that you realized had no uh, Wikipedia page and deserved to have one? Or did you just randomly pick somebody and it just, did it start start off as a random evening hobby? Like how did it, how did it start? Well, I, I started off by going to a training just like that LGBTQ plus the pride one that we did at UCL a couple of years ago. And mm -hmm. I started off by going to something like that. And it was actually about writing about British women engineers from, from the past. And, and it, I, I found it interesting, but kind of frustrating because when you look back in history, as I'm sure lots of listeners of this will have done, particularly at UK science and engineering history to, to be a successful engineer, you had to be incredibly rich, married to someone incredibly rich, the sister of someone incredibly rich and, and, almost categorically you had to be white and like an heiress and so so it started off as kind of looking at that and I was just like, I can't write about this all the time you know I don't, I don't really care about these people and then and then I started writing about women professors in the UK particularly in in physics departments so I just kind of look through physics department lists and chemistry department lists and see who was a professor and then and then increasingly realized that hey that's also incredibly non-diverse you know there's only a handful of, of, of black women professors out of the 19 and a half thousand professors in this country. So then I had to start going quite a lot further afield. And that's when I started kind of branching out into different disciplines and particularly looking at people from, from all around the world. So, so I, I kind of, I guess I'm like everyone here and, and it must be the same because you've done so many episodes of this now, but I really like a challenge and I thought I can either just rock up, put one editathon every few months and, and, you know, write a paragraph and feel good about myself for half an hour when I'm on the tube home. Or I can say, I'm going to do this every day and I'm just going to chill out in my pajamas with a nice cup of milk <laughs> and write my Wikipedia page. And I was like, I'm going to do that. You know, I love it. And, and then every morning I'd kind of wake up and I'd text it to, you know, my dad and he'd be like, that's really nice, Jess. Like, thanks. And then, and then, you know, that would be it. And then, and then in, in kind of mid, in, in mid 2018, just after I'd started in the kind of summer of that year, someone from The Guardian came to write about it. And I, and I thought kind of nothing of it at the time. And I just thought it was going to be an, an education supplement of The Guardian. And I came home and I was like, oh, I'm going to be in this education thing. And I thought it was, you know, one of those little handouts that comes inside. But it wasn't. It's in the main newspaper. And then for about a week, everyone in the world wanted to talk to me about Wikipedia. I think I became like the Wikipedia spokesperson. I was like, oh, yes. OK, let's talk about this. Let's talk. And actually, even though it was fantastic and, and, you know, I'll talk at length about how important it is as an education resource and particularly the need to better honor these incredible scientists and engineers. It meant that there was like a lot more attention on my editing. 
And so then all of the other Wikipedia editors were like, oh, how dare you say these people are notable? They're not notable enough. And- <laughs> wait, wait, what, wait, 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 wait. So, so as soon as you got some recognition, other Wikipedia editors were like, mm, well. <laughs> so it kind of turns out that, uh, so Wikipedia has a massive problem in the diversity of who edits. So because it started in the early 2000s, pretty much all of the senior, you know, most, most kind of, built up wikipedia contributors are white men in north america you know it's almost entirely men it's like 80 to 90 percent men and almost all of them are in north america and you know they write about kind of cricket teams and weird telephone boxes in the north of england and like battleships but they don't write about the biographies of of scientists from historically marginalized groups. and it turns out if you say that everywhere if you're like pretty much all wikipedia editors are a little bit sexist and racist and you go around everywhere saying that they get a little bit offended so Aww. so that's that's what happened in the summer of 2018 so then it was like okay i've got to i've got to up my skills a little bit so i'm not only writing now because these people deserve honoring i've got to kind of write to def- defend that how incredible they are to these you know gang of anonymous wikipedia editors online <laughs> i can't anyway, believe you have to defend these so literally, you literally right? send someone to writing about telephone boxes in random parts of england i cannot yeah, believe <laughs> so it has notability criteria for for good reasons and bad reasons it's a general interest encyclopedia right so of course there should be something that defines whether it's notable enough not every single person's dog can have a wikipedia page i completely understand that although obviously me and alex's dogs should have wikipedia pages yeah shout but, out Dennis. But, <laughs> but i do think that i do think that actually the the um the notability criteria like most of academic science you know it's what we choose to honor it's how many citations people have how big the grants are that they bring in how you know what kind of named position they have at whatever kind of university and we know like the three of us and all of these listeners you know that those criteria are biased we know Mm. that they self-select for people who are privileged so you've kind of got to know how the system works to try and improve it so that's actually it kind of goes hand in hand with this nominating people for awards because if we can get people better recognized then it's easier to write about them and 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 that's yeah it's it's, it's all cyclical, this horrible privilege that we have in science. Like you're celebrated and you're championed and you do well. And then as a result of that, you get more opportunities. So you're more celebrated and you're more championed and you do well again. It's, it's, that, it's that kind of breaking in that is really difficult. Yeah, I mean, you, that is, you're doing so much and you're doing so much like positive stuff there. And I really like the, um, like this, this sort of, a thing you're fighting up against you know you're saying these all these like wikipedia editors and like you know white dudes in north american stuff who are you know being very angry and making sure that everything like you edit looking at it through like a fine tooth comb and you know almost like frothing at the mouth essentially and you're there like every day in your little comfy like pajamas i imagine drinking your milk um and doing all these edits and that and being like, yeah, you know what? I can do this. I can do this every day. I'm here all week. I'm built different. I got this. Uh, I just like that <laughs> mental image. It's nice. Yeah, it's super nice. I mean, I should say the, the majority of Wikipedia editors are probably absolutely brilliant. It's just the loudest ones. It's like in anything, right? Like the loudest ones are the ones who aren't. I sort of took a look around and I even looked at your Wikipedia page, Jess. And, you know, like you say, the more things you do, the more championing you get and the more accolades um, you receive. But my my biggest question is your Wikipedia photo that you've chosen. <laughs> I want to know the story behind it because if you look at it, and if people um, right now who are listening take their phones out on their computers, like in Jess Wade, um, look at the photo. It looks like you're introducing um, a cake or what was <laughs> or, it? A sm- or, or a large hamster. I I, um, I I just want to come in and say you'd, I don't edit anything. I never look at this Wikipedia page that. It, as a as a a person in society, one should not write or edit their own Wikipedia page. It's supposed to be written by someone who is impartial towards you. And and you know, me as a Wikipedia editor, I can't write about anyone that I love or that I hate or that pays my salary. They're the kind of three criteria. But um, 
my own Wikipedia page. Um, I, 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 yeah, I mean, there's a lot of issues that I would change if I could change it. But I like that photo. I think it's, it's funny. It's, it's it it was great... me, me trying to explain some concept in the materials that we look at. It was some funny thing at Imperial. And I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing. But I like the, I like the idea that you could just put a little Nerf ball inside or something. You could be doing something <laughs> really think... cool. I think what you should do, I think what you should do is you should, um, you should Photoshop a Grammy there. I think it looks like you've just won a Grammy and you're so surprised. You know how like... Yeah, um, I like, I, I would go for that. I like that. I also like that, that that necklace is from the accessories section of a kid's shop because I was like, this is the kind of person I am. This is the brand I have. <laughs> look, at you, look at you, your Wikipedia page with your Claire's accessories necklace, winning all these awards, being a great person, damn. <laughs> it, has, it has googly eyes on. Oh, yeah, damn. they should like, in the, in the caption, you know how like in fashion magazines, they write, you know, Jess is wearing... <laughs> that's like, what i like that's what i like that's yeah. what I'm, I'm here for it um, <laughs> hoodie model zone <laughs> so um if if uh, either oz or i were to photoshop as i say put a small grammy in there i know it couldn't be put onto your wikipedia page but would you make it your twitter uh, display photo come on yeah Just yeah for... I, w- I would i oh, would i like it. i like my picture still i have a picture on twitter which is the t-shirt that that became the cover of Angela's book Inferior when when Inferior was so successful they they made a t-shirt well it beca- it be- was mass marketed and it got a new cover and I like having that although I was actually just at something today where I was um presenting an award to some kids who'd done some great science and someone introduced me and said to the entire audience you should read Jess's book Inferior and I was like I did not write it like <laughs> there's been a massive miscommunication <laughs> jewelry isn't a gift you give just once it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it blue nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Okay, but speaking of books, you have actually written a book, though, haven't you? Like, you recently wrote a book for kids. Yes, that, that is a true fact. So I wrote a children's picture book called Nano, The Spectacular Science of the Very, Very Small. And it's about nanoscience and chemistry and materials. And it's actually kind of, well, I wrote the words and, and the fantastic illustrator called Melissa Castrillon did the illustrations. And and it's it's kind of a hardback. I'd say it's... A coffee table book for people of the age who don't have coffee tables <laughs> but it's it's really introducing nanoscience in this kind of absolutely beautiful and very visual way and thinking about how we can design materials to be more sustainable and efficient and and actually something I really wanted to do and it was to talk about the kind of scientific process and and you know methods and how we set out and we don't really know what we're going to be able to do or what we can do and at the end, we discover all these incredible things. And, you know, it's OK if we mess up because we learn things as part of that. And I, I think it's great. 
what, but what, what, how did that come about? Like, did you always want to write a kid's book or did you want to write a science book? Why specifically this book? So actually, after the kind of buzz around um, all the Wikipedia editing, quite a few um, publishers wrote to me and said, do you want to write a book about women scientists? Or do you want to write this kind of top 50 women in science book? And I kind of thought, well, those books already exist and mm. people don't read them often anyway. And also the kind of people who pick up those books aren't the kind of people we really need to convince you know if you're going to a bookshop and buying a book about women scientists then you're probably on the same page that I am anyway whereas actually what I wanted to do and and I think children's books are a beautiful way of doing this is to try and get kids and adults really excited about areas of science they didn't know yet you know, that we don't learn about materials or nanomaterials or the fact that science could be remotely interdisciplinary. We don't learn about that at school. You don't learn about it at primary school and you don't learn about it at secondary school. And certainly at primary school, all the books that I got as a child and that you see in bookshops are like dinosaurs, the body, space. You know, there's a very fixed category list that you get for kids' science books. So then kind of out of the blue, I had a chat with these editors at, at Walker, the, the kids book publisher and and Walker to everyone in the audience are the publishers who publish Where's Wally. So I was like, OK, that's 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 my level. <laughs> and so so I went and had a chat with them. And, you know, it's so different than academic publishing, you know, in academic publishing, we we slog and we slog and we write these papers and you submit it to someone and then the editor's really horrible or the peer reviewers are really horrible or something yeah. about the process makes you feel terrible. And you go into a kid's book publisher and you're like, I've got this kind of idea that, to write about atoms and molecules. And I'm like, they're like, oh my gosh, that's the most incredible thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and everything, you, so it's like, it's like being cuddled for an hour when you're in there, like you're just saying all these ideas. And, and it was such a different world. And, and they were really like, it doesn't matter how long it takes. We'll find a perfect illustrator. And 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 then, you know, when they showed me some of Mel's illustrations, she's she's really extraordinary. You know, she's half half from the UK and half from Colombia. And she went and did a, a art degree in children's book illustration. And and she's done all of these incredible nonfiction. Um, she's done all of these incredible fiction books that are very floral and beautiful and whimsical. And then she went to all of her illustration friends and she said, I've, I've been offered this this job illustrating a book about nanoscience. And all of her friends were like, don't do it. It will be so dry. It will be so boring. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> and, 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 and so it took a bit of time for her to come around. But actually, it, it turns out that she you can illustrate nanoscience in this beautiful, whimsical, mysterious and kind of captivating way. And we're basically the same person. So we're like the same height and the same like energy level and we look quite similar. And so so when we've been doing things together since the book came out and we've done a few children's workshops around the country around drawing nanomaterials out, it's like we're the perfect match, even though we didn't you know, we didn't meet naturally that the publishers introduced us. So so it just worked out, you know, I, I had completely not planned to do this and I still can't quite believe that I have done it. You know, it's such a beautiful book, but actually I, I'm so thrilled that, that they gave me the opportunity to do it and to have had the chance to work with her because it really makes you think differently about how you communicate what we do as scientists. I mean, that's really, really sweet. <clears throat> I haven't bought the book myself because... Um, I'd only buy it. You're if not I... six. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And I imagine a six year old with disposable income like that. Um, I, I really love it. I have to tell you, Alex, after all of these kids' things you do at like science festivals, they're like, do you want to do a signing afterwards? And me and Mel sit there at a table and I'm like, by the way, none of these children have their own money. And they're like, oh, just come. You don't, you don't know who will show up. And I'm like, I know no one will show up. So we're sitting there for like an hour. And I'm like, I'm so sorry, Mel. I'm so sorry, Mel. That's basically the whole time. I'm like, <laughs> so yeah, you're right. <laughs> I'll send you a free copy. Don't worry. My mum seems to be determined to buy every copy that she finds. So. <laughs> I mean, see, the issue is I'm go I don't know any children. And my wife and I aren't having children. So it's just going to sit there and I'm going to read it. And I'm going to be like, damn, this shit is written at my level of physics understanding. Fuck that's me. that's what so I think it's a good introduction to, to, to science that other people do. I think, you know, there's nothing about it that 
you know, when I think about what's happening when I do an experiment or when I try and put together slides for a presentation, an academic presentation, it's not massively different language to how I write in nano. You know, that's I have to think at that super clear level to understand things. And you certainly have to think at that super clear level to be able to teach things. So I, I think I think actually children's books are amazing because you have that conversation with a six year old. You have that conversation with their parents. You have that conversation with their teachers and you have to have the same track in messaging. So so I actually think I wish that more of my friends, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, you two, would write children's books that you could kind of be, use as the primer to science. I don't want to read like another, you know, 400 page book on X. I want to read the like nice, beautifully illustrated introduction. I, I will buy your book for my nephew, but also I feel like I almost push a lot of science stuff on him that I feel bad that I'm like, not like not helicopter parenting but you know what I mean I'm just like I'm a scientist so you should be interested in these science things but you know at least if if my friends have written science books it's a good reason for me to be like yeah I'll send one to your nephew I do Aww. not I'll send a VIP one <laughs> that, and that that just means that I bought some really beautiful shiny envelopes they're like holographic envelopes I'm so oh happy oh my with god them. And, and, he, so, and, and also you can you can sign that one he will take a yeah, signed I, copy I sign it and, and in the signing I'm like I'm so sorry this might devalue the book love Jess <laughs> <laughs> I like that you've come on here. Uh, proper like, oh, you know what? Yeah, no, I'm, I do big shit with science. But hey, I'm really sorry that me signing this book that I wrote lovingly has made it worse. I'm really, really sorry. Pick a lane, Jess. Pick when, a lane. When, when me and Mel have done these things together, the illustrator of Nano, I always sign it. I'm like, become a scientist. And underneath, she crosses out and writes, become an artist. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I love the balance there. I love the balance. I mean, I like that you're telling Oz and I to write children's books. Do you know how chaotic that would be? I don't know what I would write uh, a children's book about. Oh my gosh, you could do so many things, Alex. It, it would be terrible. And also, I, I do have um, a a much love... I have much love for my book agent. Uh, shout out Kate Barker, who has been stuck with me uh, for the last few years. Uh, and I've been like, oh yeah, I'm going to get something out this year. I'm going to get something out this year. And then life throws a shit curveball in my life. I'm like, oh no, I can I can still write about science. Don't worry, I'm still here. And she's like, don't worry. I'm like, okay, this this little interlude's mostly for Kate. Kate, I love you. <laughs> well, start, so, so Kate, get him on kids' books. That's what I'm saying. No, 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 there's, no, no. There's literally, yes. there's not many words in a kids' book. <laughs> <laughs> you know if 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 you're struggling to produce you probably got enough you know you, you just take it take it to a publisher and say here's here's my piece it may be pitched a little high for now but that's where they step in and do their work <laughs> nah kate don't listen believe in me anyway um off of the back of that you are not necessarily just science because you have a background in art as well don't you because a little birdie told me in little birdie i mean your wikipedia page you went to art school yeah and I, I'm completely fascinated by art. You know, I think I think I, I, I did art at A level, and I remember thinking even then, like we were learning about, you know, the Italian Renaissance or whatever, and and you learn like, back then artists were scientists and they were engineers and they were people who were architects. You know, they were designing not only how ornately you'd decorate the doors of a cathedral or a, a, a mosque or a temple, they were really thinking about the metals and the materials that they'd used to be able to do it and the processing and I just thought it was completely absurd you know I had really distinct and profound thoughts as a 17 year old obviously but it was really absurd that we had to separate ourselves into these different groups and so so I I I, I went off and I when I finished school I went I lived I went to Chelsea School of Art for a bit and I went to live in Italy with an Italian landlady who spoke not a word of English and I spoke not a word of Italian and it turns out she was actually a super cool history of art professor I found her on some funny website for for students going to live in Italy and learn about the renaissance and so so I had this really extraordinary time of of learning incredible facts and visiting beautiful places and I think since then I've always been I really love drawing I find it incredibly relaxing to draw and and you know probably that's reflected in my revision notes from my physics undergrad as much it is as it is in like my sketchbook from doing an art degree but i think that it, it's it's how i process and understand information even now 
you know, I used the lockdown to hone in my skills on on visualization and making graphical abstracts and doing all the figures really beautifully for our group. So anytime anyone's writing a paper, I'm like, who needs figures? Okay, what diagrams do we need? Can I help? Let's make that 3D. And I'm so critical when I see like people's presentations and they've done everything in this really horrible way. And and so, yeah, I, I don't know. I have a deep respect for people in the creative the creative industries, you know, in art and music and theatre or whatever. And I think it's amazing to be around them. But also I think as scientists, we really need to kind of take the time to think about how we communicate what we're doing, you know, incredibly complicated things scientifically. And that often comes in a really brilliant figure or kind of fantastic presentation. And, and, and so, yeah, I find that, I find it incredibly relaxing drawing, playing on illustrator for like four hours i watch lots of youtube videos of like how to make a sphere or like how to make something that looks like a wiggle in 3d and what is even a wiggle but you know i i love doing that i love i love getting into that kind of level of and level of being able to design and draw also on that on that same note can we talk about your really cool nail art because yeah. When we were talking about your art stuff, Alex sent me this whole thread of your nails and I, my mind was blown. They're gorgeous. <laughs> I, have a really, I have a really good nail painter. <laughs> so I have, I've been going for a few, there's this phenomenal woman, Sharma Dean Reed, who um, is, is kind of an extraordinary businesswoman and has set up all of these networks, particularly for black British women all over the UK. And for a time after she was at art school, or uh, fashion college, she set up a nail salon called War Nails that was in Soho. It was actually next door to the Supreme shop. So, you know, I felt ultra street every time I went there. <laughs> and I met this extraordinary woman called Anushka. And, and she's, you know, she's a celebrity on, on Instagram and has all of these huge partnerships now with all of these drinks brands and super sports brands and these ex- extraordinary things. But at the time she was just starting out and this was this was probably back 2016, 2017, and and I used to always just go to Anushka mainly because it was so separate to the lab like you'd just rock up and you'd go in and you'd just be in this space where no one really cared about what units you'd used on an axis or what kind of conditions you'd used to make a measure and it was so chill and and then since then Anushka's gone and become stratospheric and actually only works like two days a week and doesn't take on new clients and it's all like you know the dream of what you want when people are super talented and they find their way but every now and then when she has a free moment I drop in and I'm like oh by the way will you paint these molecules on my nails or like I'm going to see my friend at NASA next week can you paint the NASA logo on my nails and then I you know I set her a little scientific challenge so I'll be there in this super cool West London salon where she's got all of these different sponsorships from all of her different collaborations and there'll be some incredibly cool music playing and I'll be like no this is the chemical structure I want this is where the double bond should be this is how you would (laughs) (laughs) but she's 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 like absolutely brilliant and you know those people and it's exactly like you two like you have such a nice time when you're with them you leave feeling like good about the world and you can go in and you're feeling like you know I can feel pretty miserable and I can feel pretty sad and I can feel pretty like oh everyone on Twitter's angry all the time and I go in to see Anushka and it's just like a breath of fresh air and and so yeah I I don't know I've I've I love this because there's absolutely no way in a million years she ever has these conversations about the super weird scientist who ever comes in. You know, she's never on a podcast and she's like, oh, by the way, guess whose nails I paint? I paint molecules under Jess's nail. But really, Anushka, Anushka, she is she is a complete thrill to be around. And I was so worried at the beginning of lockdown because, you know, anyone who was self-employed obviously found it incredibly hard. And something like nails isn't something that you can socially distanced from but she went off she set up a new salon she got all these new gigs she painted everything you know she made it all beautiful she did nail classes online she's really that kind of person who is just true grit and resilience and I I just love that so it's not just it's not just the experience of having beautiful nails at the end which which I obviously like but it's also that experience of being around someone who is so extraordinarily creative and sets themselves a challenge like you know, I work with these, I, I told you about the molecules, these chiral molecules, but particularly 
a subset of that called healer scenes, which are kind of six six benzene rings connected in such a way that they kind of trace out a helix. You know, they're spirals because of the way that the benzenes are joined up. And that's it's quite an elaborate structure for a chemist to draw on paper. It's it's really, really difficult to draw on my thumbs. And and Anushka does it with this kind of meticulous precision. And I just really like it. You know, I print I print out a little picture of what I want. And I put it down in front of her and she just looks at me like, oh, Jess. Like, <laughs> and then and then and then she just does it. And, and it's just it's it's so great. <laughs> I like that it seems that you surround yourself with like creative people as much as possible. Like, is that intentional? Um, I don't know if it isn't. You know, my best friend from school is a musician and he didn't go to university and he's by far my most successful friend <laughs> you know he's bought a house in Primrose Hill he has a recording studio in the basement his life is charmed and his goddaughter is beautiful his wife is beautiful and and I've been spending quite a lot of time with them in in lockdown and just like going for walks and things and everything about them is just completely magical to be around and I think I do love I love kind of collecting that energy and feeling that energy and you, you do think differently you're like hey we could do this for that science festival or maybe we could take our science to that place or they just came on the weekend we had this huge festival like I mentioned at Imperial and my 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 musician part of my world came down and and it was actually so cool because Marla my goddaughter was walking along exhibition road well shuffling along she's just turned one and and for some bizarre reason Mo Farah was there so now she's got all these pictures of herself with Mo Farah because he was at the exhibition road vessel but I love that intersection of of art and science and I do think it is so important that scientists think about it more often and you know it's it's like running a podcast right you have to surround yourself with people who thought this was a cool idea to do and not all scientists would think that, but you found that world that you could embed yourself into, and I, I think that's quite extraordinary. Oh, thanks. I like that. That I like compliments. Compliments always make me happy. Well, are you you know me, Alex. I love you, so I could just sit here complimenting for ad nauseum. You know, you tell me when to stop, and I'll keep going. <laughs> this is not. Please don't enable me. <laughs> this is a terrible, a terrible thing. Um, <laughs> So I think I, I do have one question on the Wikipedia front. Um, and I asked um, if you remember uh, people who've listened, Roma Agraval, who uh, who built the Shard. When uh, she came on, I asked this uh, similar question. Now, a part of um, your work, sort of your work with uh, Wikipedia and all this stuff, um, you've, uh, you know, received a lot of accolades. And one of them is a uh, British Empire medal. Why are you supporting uh, imperialism while at the same time <laughs> writing about diversity, Jess? Huh? Why are you doing it? Why are you doing it, Jess? It's a really good question. And I think in retrospect, it, it's probably something I'd have had a very different response to. You know, that the, the letter actually came to my parents' house and, and it said to Dr. J. Wade. And my dad opened it because he is also Dr. J. Wade. And he read it and he was like, oh, cool, like finally being recognized for all the dope <laughs> neurology I've done. And he read the whole thing and he was like, just take a look, like I'm, I'm being honored. And I was like, shit, that, that's so cool. And then and then all the pronouns were like her or I can't remember the exact writing, but it was like she, her. And he was, like, oh, it must be your mother. So my mum is 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 a psychiatrist, <laughs> and he was like, must, and and to be honest, my mum deserves, and my dad also deserves infinite honours for the work they've done, whatever. But anyway, so it was it was about fifteen very funny minutes of him thinking it was her, him for a long time, and then it must be my mum. So it was quite funny that, but also I just liked the concept that it was for. I tried to get them to write for services to wikipedia but the 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 house of the royal family or whoever decides what you get to write wouldn't let us do that but i i think i was just so overwhelmed that it was such a cool way to recognize contributions to equality in in science you know it wasn't just it wasn't just me being recognized as an individual it was being recognized as something for for championing a more progressive view for the future and and you know the, the most extraordinary people at, at that ceremony for getting it were people who had done services, who'd been given them for services to the community for setting up kind of incredible, incredibly long lasting faith groups of interdisciplinary faith. There was someone who'd got it for services to setting up a, a community boxing group. So it really didn't feel like it was one of these awards that was being given to people who were just fusty old, you know, 
honorary peers for no reason. I don't know. I mean, I think that's a very long-winded way of saying I can't justify it. I absolutely hate the fact that it's got empire in. I hate the fact that when I read that first line of a Wikipedia page, as you made me do, it says that Jess is a British. Ugh, it sounds so disgusting. And and even just that term. And then it has got that word med empire. And I just think, oh, how you but, feel, Jess? Huh? <laughs> well, I hate it. And that's why I don't look at it. And I never I hate when whenever anyone introduces me for anything. I really like the one that I really like that always gets put up. And this is the only award I'll let them say, because <laughs> I think it's such a funny accolade. Let me just look up. Maybe it's even been taken out now. But it was like an award saying that I was like 155th in the top UK women in tech. You know, it's like Jess is the like 47th best woman in technology. And I just think that's the kind of level I'm at. Like I want to be bottom of a very long list. So, so, so I, 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 I completely don't like the legacy that it stands on and, and I'm quite embarrassed by it, but I like the work that contributed to it. So if I could go back in time, I probably wouldn't have been as quick to say, yeah, that's, that's, I'm going to say yes. But, you know, I'm actually quite, here's a top secret for you. I'm quite terrified of opening any post. I always think I'm going to get in trouble about something. And so letters like that, I always make my mum open. <laughs> Oh I always gosh. think there's like I always think there's bad news. So I, I'm just not I just I'm really bad at opening mail or post or whatever people call it. So I just think I just can't do it. So so probably, you know, in my overwhelming excitement that I'd actually managed to open a piece of post for the first time, then I was like, you know, sign on the dotted line. <laughs> Uh, uh, can we talk about the fact that it essentially boils down to oh, I hate answering posts. Oh, I just get so many accolades. Oh no! If no, I open that's another not bit. Oh no! So oh, I'm just so successful. You're just giving. You're just giving Alex so much fodder, Jess. I feel like no, I, feel, I, mean, that's I feel like not I should. <laughs> yeah. And I want to. I just. I'm so paranoid now. I want to come back to say. Alex, you 100% have to write a book for grown-ups. I'm just saying, on the side, you have to write a kid's book. Like, it, do let Kate force you into writing the grown-up one for sure, but definitely do a kid's one. I keep reflecting and thinking I've said a terrible thing, and I did not mean it in a terrible way. Yeah, way to traumatise our guests, Alex. Yeah, wow. well, look, you win some, you lose some, um, by which I mean British Podcast Awards. <laughs> Uh, uh, okay. Um, I think that's, I mean, Oz, do you have any more questions? Because, I mean, this has been my, I've, I've loved this. It's been such a great chat. I could, I mean, obviously I have so many questions we could talk for hours with Jess, but I feel like we should wrap it up. It's been such a freaking great convo and I can't wait to read your book. Oh, I can't, I'll send, I'll for sure send one to you in Portland and I'll send one to wherever the nephew is. And Alex, I'll send you multiple. The question, the real question is, do you want it in English or do you want it in Estonian? The other key language of the science children's book market. Really? That was, <laughs> seriously? What? So left field. So when, so when you write a kid's book, they, they kind of don't, you know, you have no say in, in where the rights get sold and anything. Or, you know, you know me, I probably just signed on the dotted line and said, sell it wherever you want. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> they, came, they came back to me and they were like, it's going to be a French version. I was like, fine, that sounds, that sounds legit. And then they were like, oh, and by the way, Estonia were really interested. And apparently it's quite rare for Estonia to pick up like English kids books and translate them. But turns That's out so that's cool. where my... That's where my big audience is. So if you want an Estonian version, it's coming your way. Jess Wade, nice. big in Estonia. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I want my Wikipedia to say. Not None of this racist old empire crap. Just Jess Wade, a big deal in Estonia yeah. for, for a moment. Accomplished Estonian publisher, Jess Wade. <laughs> 47th Beth Women in Science. <laughs> I like it. We have come to the end of the podcast. This is where people generally make sad noises. So if one of you two could make a sad noise. Wah, wah. <laughs> um, well, very, that was very good. Very gone girl there. I enjoy that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> terrifying. Um, Oz, do you feel like you've learned something new today? 
I certainly have. I've learned uh, a lot about chirality, uh, and I've learned about publishing in Estonia. Yeah. Jess, have you enjoyed yourself today? I've completely loved being here today. I'm, I'm 10 out of 10 smiling. I have loved it today. I've learned so much. It's been fantastic. I've been joined by Oz and Jess. Say bye, guys. Bye. And this has been my new doctor. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.